Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode where we as a group say farewell to our mad monkey of the show who is going on a month-long sabbatical starting tomorrow. Uh, What's going to happen is he's going to be going on a trip with the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic to an abandoned parking lot that used to be a Walmart but now is a Sizzler. And he's going to be showing everybody that leaf he found last year that kind of looks like Betty White. It's an exciting trip. It takes a month. I don't know why. Maybe he'll tell you when he gets on. Don't know, but he's going away. And what better way to send him off than with a very fun 1991 thriller from Martin Scorsese, Kate Fear. So that's going to what we're going to be talking about later, later on the show. But while we wait for the ghoul who's going to be running a little bit late, and, of course, the dean who runs always fashionably late, that psychotic simian, the Prince of Morris Day, yes, get funky with the farewell party, baby. That's right, we're keeping it funky, we're keeping it fresh, because all oh, you ready for the best damn hall podcast there is in all of the land? Well, listen in, as we, the Talking Terror crew, will be coming in your ears for the next two hours with the latest in horror news, the latest in horror trailers, and movie reviews. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Hell, we don't really fucking care. Just as long as you bloody well listen. Let's get it on tonight, Fright Family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get it on indeed with just the two of us again. Feels like Black Roses all of a sudden, but no. Uh, promise I'll be joined by other people. But I can't wait for you to bring back that leaf. You tell me it looks like Betty White. I said Rube McClanahan. So we're going to settle it in August when we get back. See, why, why you got to be like that, man? He's like, starting shit right off the bat. You know, I, look, I'm telling you, it's Betty White. And he's going to be like, no, it's Rube McClanahan. You know, it's, it's like, look, you got your golden girl. I got mine. It's the same thing when we argue about the Beatles. All right. <laughs> I'm always Ringo. You're always John. No. Jeez. Yeah. Why can't why, why can't we just agree to disagree? Or just, I just you know admit what? that I'm right. Like, I'm, <laughs> well, we I'm know that Paul more time is really the that. best one of them all. <laughs> no, Paul's not. He's dead. Ah, he was the fucking he was the walrus, motherfuckers. <laughs> he wasn't. That was John. Let's admit it. Okay, so we yes, we are joined once again by the ghoul of the Keith, who's back after his uh, last week absence. Welcome back to the show, ghoul. Hello, 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 everybody. What is going on, man? It is hot as balls in New Jersey. It's like the devil's paint out there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely like the devil's paint in Pennsylvania. <laughs> know all about that heat. That was a struggle earlier. <laughs> Walking home from work, wanting to punch every fucking baby I saw. I was like, God damn it, you fucking, you know, everybody in the car is doing that. Walking home, like a 20-minute walk from work turns like an hour and a half. I was like, man, it's like the devil's teabagging me in the face tonight with all this fucking heat. Stop it, Summer. It just started. Stop it. Punch in Get the face with the king. Just every single one. Just bam, bam, bam. Like, man, he must be angry at the heat. Goddamn right I am. Bam. You know, just walk down the block. But that's what I do to control myself. 
<laughs> but speaking of somebody who's got his anger in control, we have the demonic dean as well. Welcome back after your two-week sabbatical. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I am the dean. I will talk in a very <laughs> monotone, non-angry way right now. Yes. At the moment. Yes. <laughs> By any chance, have you guys seen the latest episode of The Twilight Zone? (laughs) I have. It was good. It was great and superb. I speak to my children about it all the time. They even have the books ready to read for the summer program. Hi. (laughs) Hi. I'm drinking a craft beer right now because I like craft beer, craft wine, and craft pot. Because we when get that beer in California. When I make my coffee, I walk out the door, pick the beans off of the vine itself, proceed to walk into my house and grind them. Then I sit there from a natural hot spring and collect hot boiling water to then boil over my new grounds. Some gourmet fresh cup of coffee in three days. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Google's like, fuck that shit. (laughs) Cure Gower. Sure, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, since we're still waiting for this, yet, so. <laughs> since we're still waiting for the dean to show up, let's go ahead and get this shit rolling. Ghoul. Okay. Have you watched Hello? the first yes. three episodes of? of oh, oh, there he is. Never mind. There he is. <laughs> are you guys hearing me? We are. Now. You finally make some now. Okay. <laughs> I've been I've been like talking I've been like talking away. Uh oh, here's the rant. Uh-oh. We're, we're not hearing you. <laughs> there is no red. What I was what I was saying though is that I believe that uh, you know clouded clouded by by whatever thoughts cloud the king's mind. Uh, I think that he's buying into some propaganda about my delivery that, in many instances, isn't necessarily true. Propaganda. We have a fan that loves you for your anger. She just messaged me earlier. She's like, I can't wait. The dean's coming back tonight. I can't wait to see how you piss them off. I'm like, I can't wait either. You're misinterpreting my my stance. I don't know. Says I mean, the angry says that her favorite line from you is, I don't got to do a goddamn the thing. The dean feels you got no anger that said that. at all. I feel I the anger. No, no. Oh. emotion. Uh, uh, oh, wait, sorry. Let's, let's quote one of the dean's favorite lines. Good for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's so, a man in control what? of his anger. Welcome back, I'm brother. Very much like Bill <laughs> I'm very much in control of my, my emotions. And, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long few weeks away. Um, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm sorry to have to have missed two shows in a row. Um, but, but here we are, and we're ready to get back to business. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about. There's a good movie to talk about. Um, and here we are, once again, all together, another episode here. Of Torn into Terror. pieces. Can't deny it. Can't pretend. I just thought you were the one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As we do. Okay. But, but before we get into it, de- uh, Ghoul, have you have you caught episodes one through three of Loki? And if so, what, how are you feeling about the show so far? 
I mean, personally, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I know that, you know, obviously, similar to WandaVision, the show's kind of received a bit of like a, a mixed bag as far as uh, people's feelings towards it. Uh, me, yeah. personally, I'm enjoying the... I'm enjoying Hiddleston's performance. I love his nuances. Uh, I, I really enjoy whatever, if it's Lady Loki, if it's the Enchantress, whoever it may so be. Um, I'm liking her. And, uh, and yeah, so, so yes, I am enjoying it greatly. I am fully caught up 100% on it. Well, three episodes. 100% in the bag. on it. Yeah, yes. same here. Oh, is like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, is, is again, for me, it's like, I, I don't know 100% where the storyline's going, but I'm enjoying the fact that I don't know for change, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they're tapping into different parts of the Marvel Universe and showing you that there is a wider realm out there, and they're just keep world-building and world-building and character-building, and they are just stacking on top of each other and just taking you for a ride, and... Yeah, not all of it is all fucking fist fights and, you know, buildings falling down. There's other parts of the MC universe where there's a lot of calm shit that, you know, going on, but there's also a lot of shady shit behind the background. There have been fist fights, though, and there have been buildings falling down, including one very particular yeah. building in which we watch Loki rewind, or somebody rewind time during one very particular yep. scene, um, uh-huh. which I found to be very interesting. I'd like to see where that's going to go. Character Superman? I, I think yeah, possibly, but, you know, we won't know <laughs> because we don't know what Kal-El was doing at that point. Um, <laughs> or Calvin Elvis, Ellis, whichever one it shall be. Uh, sure. I think, uh, again, like I was saying, character-driven, absolutely. Um, world building, yeah, I guess, you know what I mean? Like I, like, I kind of felt about all of these one-shots. You know, they're just like the comic book miniseries, where they kind of tell, like, a story that's going on, you know, integral to this character, maybe giving you a little bit of the character's development, or maybe a little bit of their past or something, yeah. but not fully, you know, not fully interfering or doing anything of any hindrance to the greater MCU. The one thing I'll say, I'm mm. a little bit on, like, you know, a little bit, I, I don't want to say disappointed with, but I guess maybe I was expecting a little bit more of seeing some of these alternate timelines with Loki. Okay. I kind of was hoping that this was kind of going to be like, okay, Loki gets picked up by the TVA and, you know, has to do whatever he has to do, aiding them as a variant. But in doing mm. so, hopping around a little bit into other various timelines. And we haven't quite seen that. You know, we've, it's almost, I'll be honest, it's really very close to a Doctor Who show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was definitely getting Doctor Who vibes watching the last episode. I'm like, wow, you know, like, this really feels like that. You know, it's just, he just jumps in and it's some big disaster somewhere. And, well, you know, they're not going to necessarily not save everybody, but at the same time, there's fixed points in time that you can't actually affect anything. So you have to make sure yeah. that, you know, that, that things still happen. It's, I thought what the exact analysis. same thing, man, especially when they went to Pompeii, Absolutely. you know, and they're like, look, let's do anything and fuck shit up, you know, and again, mm-hmm. you have the Doctor Who Pompeii episode where they're like, no, this is a fixed point. We can't save everyone, you know, and she's like, well, can we save at least someone? You know, I, yeah, I was getting, I, like, I have it here in my notes. You know, yeah, definite Doctor Who feel 
for, for definitely episode three. And one of the rare times that we get where a doctor meets a future doctor, because Peter Capaldi is actually in that episode prior to him becoming the doctor. Oh, that's right, because he was the father of the family. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so there is that for, yeah. for Loki. Okay. Yes, and I am enjoying the shit out of it, man, and I can't wait to see where it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, so okay, and then one other, bit of, one other bit of horror news, and then uh, the floor is all yours. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Oh, please take your uh, time. Is, uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. Please because, tell us more. Because... Then speaking of Doctor Who, all right, on the Talking Terror Facebook page, the King has put up that Good Omens season two has finally been greenlit. So there we go, David Tennant as a you know <laughs> a, a dark demon coming back. I enjoyed the hell out of season one, you know, based on the Neil Ga- Gaiman book. I thought it was funny shit, and I I just can't wait for them to bring a season two. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Utter, that happen uh, over utter silence. Okay. Well, we haven't seen it. You know what? Well, I'm really looking forward to that. It's so exciting. It's one of those it shows is. that oh, I keep oh. wanting to check out, but I don't. You know, I'm like, oh, I want to check out Good Omens. I love David Tennant. I love the other guy in it as well. You know, he uh, he plays Caro in, uh, I think that's his name from the Twilight Taro? movies. And he's... The, the leader of the vamp, uh, the leader of the werewolves in the freaking underworld films. Coochie, coochie. He's one of those like those strange actors that's in like every major series as like a major important character, and yet he's such a great character actor that you almost never realize that it's him, like in any of these roles. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I've heard so many good things about Good Omens, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get to it. I am gonna get to it. I yeah. promise. If you just want, if you just want to watch David Tennant having says. fun on the screen, having fun on the screen and making a fun character, definitely give this show a watch. I hate fun characters. Fuck off. Yeah, then. no fun. Like fun of kind. <laughs> no, no fun. No fun, no fun of any kind. All right. Speaking of no fun, the, the, the floor is yours, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, he's a fun guy. Dean is plenty fun. You don't want to see him angry. Come on. Tons of fun. Don't oh, no. Mad. No, I take, I, I take it back. I take it back. Up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dean Smash. <laughs> All right. At least you picked a horror movie for uh, our horror movie podcast. This time. All right. So, um... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I know that the king has seen it, and I know that the ghoul has seen it, but I'm going to assume uh, that the monkey has also seen the trailer for the upcoming Halloween Kills. Is this correct, monkey? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, um, I just want to briefly uh, talk about the trailer. We don't need to get too into it. Um, but as I said in our group chat, I was very pleased uh, by, with what... I felt was presented uh, in the trailer. Uh, we have been talking uh, at an eye rolls length uh, numerous times about how everybody involved with it says that it's going to be, uh, you know, violent and there's going to be so much death. And I really believe that the trailer kind of gave an indication of, of what we're dealing with. And it kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, with all of us having mixed feelings for different reasons surrounding the 2018 film, 
uh, I feel like the the trailer for Halloween Kills have, has given me like a kind of jolt of excitement for it. Um, I've already decided mm-hmm. that it's uh, the Halloween Kills will be my return uh, to the cinema. I don't think nice. there's anything uh, coming out between now and then that's going to make me feel compelled to go out to the theater. So I'm what, going F9 to wait for, for that. What's that? <laughs> no, is it true? Did you, who saw it? Did, it, did, you guys, did you guys see F9? Did you guys see it? No. 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 Wait, did what somebody say yes? Yeah, last weekend. I thought Sunday matinee, baby. Okay. I have a question. Uh, and I don't give a shit if there's any spoilers involved. Cause I guess it's not that. No, big of a I deal. want no spoilers. Uh, but if, if, just saying that. Now. Okay. No spoilers. So, all right. So, uh, King, I'm going to message you because I, I have a I have a pressing question that I that I need to know the answer to. But anyway, um, anybody else care to share their thoughts on the trailer for the upcoming Halloween Kills? Uh, why don't we kick it uh, off with uh, the cool? What'd you think? I know. Me and Monkey just went on a tear, man. King, the floor is yours. Um, nice well, I will try to keep it brief um, as, as being the, uh, yeah, brief, the Halloween brief, fan. Brief. Uh, brief, just, like the, just like as Dean had said, uh, we had been receiving all this eye-rolling. It's going to be super violent. It's going to be super terrifying, super gory, super everything. And, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. But the trailer did win me over. There are a couple missteps that I felt that that trailer took, uh, one including how Michael escaped the house. Uh, I think they definitely could have cut the black and did a little bit of, you know, just audio of screaming and tearing and then going back to the hospital. But they clearly wanted to show you how he got out and how he's going to just cause so much damage, uh, showing this town on the brink of breaking apart because of one particular person killing a couple people on Halloween night. Um, there's a shot with an ambulance with a bunch of people rocking it back and forth. That got me really fucking excited. Seeing Halloween 3 become canon in this fucking universe was a mind fuck yeah. to see those masks on those victims, which I do have a spoiler for. It's just in my mind, but I'm not going to say it on air. I just have a spoiler as to who those victims are, and I really hope that it comes true because I think that would be really fun if, they, if the three characters on that little kid ride uh, in the playground are who I'm thinking they're going to be. But, you know, Michael well, is back. He's terrifying. Lori has become this kind of unhinged Loomis character now. Um, I, it sold me. It won me over. I still don't think 2018's Halloween is very good, but I think this one might make up for it. I think this one's just going to be fun. I think this one's like, let's throw the fucking story out the window. Michael's killing people. Let's have some fun. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I was just going to say, you know, I mean, the one thing I'm going to say with the Halloween 3 thing, um, as far as the masks go, like, yes, you know, I guess obviously because that's going to either be just a simple Easter egg or it's going to be a full-on nod to Halloween 3. But what I'm wondering is, is because we've already got in the 2018 film the whole, um, wasn't he, you know, like, wasn't he related to, to her or something? And that was just like a, a tabloid thing. I'm wondering if maybe mm-hmm. they do the reverse Halloween 3 and Halloween 3 is actually a movie in this world. Mm-hmm. As opposed like to just like that's just like Halloween uh, was a movie in Halloween three, um, you know, yeah. which I would kind of find yeah. to be. I think that would be like an interesting way to like flip that around and still pay homage to the original Halloween three. Um, oh, I just let some gas out. Sorry. Oh wow. <laughs> oh my. Um, now, as far as the the overall trailer, you know. 
I mean, it didn't take my breath away. I'm not fucking sitting here and getting all ramped up. And, oh, I'm going to fucking go see that movie. I mean, look, was I going to probably go see it anyway? Yes. You know, it's a fucking Halloween film. Um, at this point in my life, I'd like to probably, even the bad ones, I'd like to try to take in as many of these things that get in the, in the theater as possible. Uh, I do, I'm leery though, again, you know, in 2018, you know, when they first started showing those trailers, and we see Michael taking that guy's head and bashing his fucking head into the bathroom stall thing, and you see the teeth getting dropped down in front of the girl, that was like, oh shit, this is going to be a violent movie. And then the movie kind of just petered along on its own little way, you know, where they showed us all that violence and then we saw that violence all over again. And that was kind of, you know, besides the head squishing scene, there really wasn't much else violence going on that we hadn't seen before. Um, So, you know, they fooled me once. Are they going to fool us again with that? We'll see. You know, but I'm going to go in with very tempered expectations. I'm not all that thrilled for it. I really wish it would have just stayed stayed dead after the 2018 movie. Wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have minded that. I mean, I, in a way, <clears throat> um, the, the way I feel about it, and I talked about this with Monkey last week, is that having the fact that you know that this is going to be a trilogy, the stakes are kind of low when you think about it. Because if they had just said, listen, we're only doing one, and that's it, this is going to be the battle between Michael and Laurie, and then you get this finish where it is absolutely finished, and then they're like, well, we made money, so we're going to make another one. You know, Allison's saga isn't over yet. Lori's might be done, but Allison's not done yet. Karen's not done yet, so let's make another one. But by announcing already that you're going to be doing three, that means that you're probably going to see Jamie Lee Curtis in all three of these movies. If I was going to be a smart betting person, I would say fucking kill her off in Halloween Kills. Let's have the stakes raised. And finally, just get rid of Lori Strode once and for all. Have a strong character like Karen and Allison take over. Because they do have that scene where Karen picks up Michael's mask and goes, oh, you want your mask? I was like, that's what I want. I want somebody else besides Lori to fucking give it to Michael. I don't want to see another movie with Lori's show going, I'm going to kill him this time. I swear to God, everybody, this is going to be the one. And he's like, no, no, just end it. Final have your battle. Do what you want. You make Lori a force ghost in the third film. That's all. (laughs) Can you kill her in the second one? A force skin? A force, yeah, a force, a foreskin. No, she could be a force ghost, just like Luke, you know, just like Yoda, and she could still interact and do things. She can make lightning bolts come down and burn down little hovels and shit like that, you know. Or ultimately, in the end, you know, the power of love will force her as a ghost to just fly into Michael's soul, and we'll hear "You Got the Touch" play, and he'll walk off into the darkness with a heart full of love. And caring, finally, um, and be at peace. You know, the, the, this this is the Halloween trilogy that we we all really want to see. We want to see Michael come to peace finally. <laughs> ah, but finally, uh, but yeah, but, but, but that, like story wise, I think they need to just throw the story away. Just if they're going to deliver on the gore, they need to go hardcore on the gore in the second one, and then maybe dial back the storyline and finish story in the part three. But part but two, it's not like, Halloween. you know. Okay, but Sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's just, um, again, like you were saying, Ghoul, it's just, you know, for those of us that watch horror movies, love horror movies, and they keep saying it's going to be so, you know, gory and so, you know, fearsome and stuff like that. And then again, not <laughs> like catering to us horror fans and giving us any of that. 
and then cutting it short so we feel ripped off. It's just, again, as you're going to go full gore, fucking do it, but at the same time, it's like, I, I agree, kill off Laurie Strode in part two, and then elevate it into part three to where the mantle gets picked up by her daughter. And that's all I'm saying about that. So, Dane, yep. what else have you got now? All right. In addition to talking about uh, the, the the trailer for Halloween Kills, uh, Spooky Pinball LLC has announced that they are creating an officially licensed pinball machine based on the 1978 John Carpenter Halloween film. Uh, there is no release date at this time, but if you are the kind that likes to have a full-size pinball machine within your home, you will get the opportunity sometime later this year to have a full-size, officially licensed uh, Halloween pinball machine. I had the money. And then, yep, and then uh, wrapping up our Halloween stuff, uh, just like uh, 2018's uh, theatrical release of Halloween, uh, it debuted, I think, at the Toronto Film Festival, uh, just shy of its wide release. And uh, similarly, where uh, Halloween Kills is coming this year, October 15th, uh, about a little more than a month before that, on uh, September 8th, uh, Halloween Kills is going to have its debut at the 78th uh, Venice Film Festival. And uh, attending along with that screening is going to be Jamie Lee Curtis, who's going to be receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Venice Film Festival. So, um, you know, that's what's going well, that's on cool. there, uh, you know, when it comes to, to that universe. I know uh, I'm just going to keep on moving here. Uh, I know that some of you are very excited for the, uh, the rebirth of, of Dexter, uh, the latest yeah. series upcoming. Uh, and it's been announced that uh, John Lithgow is going to be returning as the Trinity Killer. I have no idea what that means or uh, why that's important, <laughs> but in the world of Dexter, uh, people seem to be very excited about this piece of information. And uh, I'm going to imagine that that's pretty cool because I think John Lithgow is just an incredible actor. So uh, there you are, Dexter people. Some big news for you. Yeah, that's big news. Thank yeah, Arthur Miller. Arthur Mitchell. Season four, great villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was fucking Well, Dexter Morgan. That's the, that was mid-season four. Like, that's the best season they ever had. So, I don't know how they're going to bring him back. I mean, I'm kind of interested, but, yeah. Just to have him back in that world as that character. Do it. All right. Well, so what's next? I know they're looking for the opportunity anyway to right their wrongs uh, for the final season of Dexter and hopefully... Uh, you know, those of you that will be tuning in will will keep us abreast on whether or not they achieve these goals. I'll be looking forward to hearing all of your analysis. Um, but there are other things to talk about this evening. So many things, so many things. David Gordon Green, who has his hands in so many of these uh, reimaginings. Uh, we obviously have talked at length about his involvement with the Halloween going back several years to when that stuff was first announced and how he's also involved in a Hellraiser thing. And he is also involved with Jason Blum in a, in an Exorcist uh, film that's coming up. The mm-hmm. Exorcist, uh, again, going to be kind of taking on that kind of direct sequel uh, type path. Um, but uh, Jason Blum says that 
David Gordon Green is going to be uh, surprising all of the skeptics out there uh, that they're going to be making Bullshit. this film for <laughs> for both audiences. They say the audiences that know the Exorcist story and the audience that does not know the Exorcist story. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that as this thing uh, gets moving, and they haven't said who's, who's written or writing the script for that yet, but as that thing gets moving, I'm sure uh, our loyal audience out there, I'm sure, will be uh, hearing more about this uh, as there's more things to talk about. Um, well, quick reminder uh, that this Friday, July 2nd on Netflix, uh, Fear Street 1 uh, will be yeah. hitting on Netflix, followed by 3 on July 9th and July 16th, respectively. Uh, it's also been announced that all of this universe is going to be rated R. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, if you've been looking forward to Fear Street, uh, you are just a short time away uh, from it hitting the Netflix airwaves. So uh, be looking forward to checking that out myself. And, uh, you know, July 2nd is the day for, for part one. So we'll see how uh, that goes. Uh, yeah, see, that's what else a, we drop here. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I King's gonna get himself some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pies and watch that shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! Ninety four, baby. All right. <laughs> Coming up this Friday. Go to some pixies, gin blossoms. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Moving on. What else based is on based on uh, <laughs> all of your suggestions, and I hadn't even heard of it. I have, I believe, become Talking Terror's uh, very own premier fan of the Amazon Prime series, The Boys. In fact, <laughs> uh, this is, I still this is one of the very... Two. What was that? What was that, Ghoul? <laughs> I still haven't finished season two. Yes, I know. Uh, I was going to say, this is, one of, this is one of those rare occurrences where something that's, like, new and popular, uh, you know, that I have, like a like, a like a lead on the ghoul. I'm always lagging behind, but um, I have, you know, watched both of those seasons and I have some boys season three uh, mentions here. So Anthony Starr, who plays uh, none other than Homelander has said that season three of the boys is going to make our fans freak out. Uh, He said that for the upcoming season, there are many reasons uh, to be very excited. He said it's the favorite season of television that he's worked on. Uh, he said that he, as he has read the script, uh, he said there's more surprises and exciting stuff going on every time he turns the page. Uh, he said that fans are going to gorge feed on this season. Uh, there has been no details on what storylines uh, are going to be explored in season three and apparently uh in the comics and they don't know if this is going to make it to screen apparently in the comics though uh there is an event called herogasm and uh apparently once a year in in the soup land uh under the guise of going on a secret mission uh actually every superhero goes to some remote tropical island where they participate in like a weekend long or week long orgy uh, where everything goes. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it hasn't been said if Herogasm is going to make it to the screen, uh, but it's certainly something uh, 
that has piqued my interest as I read about this today when I was reading about uh, what Homelander had to say about the upcoming upcoming uh, season three. Also with season three updates, uh, one of the writers has put it out there on social media. Anytime you guys keep asking about an update for season three, we are going to move the release date back one day. So as of right now, we will see you in 2032. Hope you enjoy. Stop fucking bugging us about season three. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As they do every once in a while, Universal has made their pitch uh, to Steven Spielberg about a remake slash reboot slash reimagining, et cetera, et cetera, uh, involving Jaws. And once again, uh, Steven Spielberg has said, not a chance. So I am fine with that. No. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like every single time I open up any kind of horror news site, I'm reading about like a new shark movie uh, that's coming out. So that's all great. Um, as our very own ghoul says, that's fine and dandy. Uh, but I think that uh, we don't need to revisit the doings of Amity uh, I don't think there needs a reimagining, a reboot, a remake. There's enough shark movies. There's the Megalodon. Nope. There's the cages. What the 47 meters down in the cage, and you know all kinds. There's all kinds of fucking shark movies out there. So uh, mm-hmm. keep on making those. Have a great time. Uh, I, I fully support Steven Spielberg's decision. Absolutely, yeah, no reason for it. Not needed Absolutely. at all. That is fine yeah, and movie. dandy, yeah. as our ghoul says. <laughs> yes. Um, Jaws is I, did want, I did want to mention uh, news that might be exciting to our uh, very own King of Horror. Uh, Shudder has announced that season four of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs is a go. Uh, so season four uh, will be happening, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, very mm. popular. Uh, and you, you know, the third season is... Uh, in progress. I might have wrapped up recently. I'm not sure, uh, but I know it's been uh, going on. I know before I had to step away for a couple of weeks, I was referencing who like the upcoming guests of the week were, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if that season is wrapped up, but Shutter has announced that uh, season four is going to carry on. Yep. Wrapped up last week with Jericho. Et cetera, et cetera. Indeed. The Ayatollah of rock and roller. Yeah, Lead singer of other than Moon Goose McQueen. <laughs> yeah. Who's this Chris Jericho you keep talking about? I'm Mongoose McQueen, baby. Mule Juice. One of the best interviews ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite interviews he ever did. But, <laughs> all right. So the drive-in never dies. Uh, what's next, Steve? The drive-in never dies. And coming next, uh, you know, some a, a bunch of different things in the world of print. Uh, first, uh, I do want to mention uh, very briefly that uh, Willy's Wonderland uh, is going to have a prequel, uh, except that prequel is going to be a form in the form of a comic book uh, from American Mythology Productions uh, that will be coming out in October. So if you enjoyed... Uh, Nicholas Cage and Willy's Wonderland. Uh, there will be more story to tell if you're a reader of comic books uh, come October. And again, that's going to be a prequel uh, to the, the film starring Nicholas Cage. Also, in the world of print, uh, there mm-hmm. is going to be 
uh, Charles Band uh, has written an autobiography, Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking. Uh, you know, Charles Band, the My head guts. of Empire Pictures and the head of Full Moon Pictures, who has brought us, uh, you know, some wonderful films that we've covered on the show, such as Booga Booga. Um, but he has written an autobiography talking all about his, uh, his career. And uh, you'll be able to read that uh, autobiography uh, come November 16th. What was the other one, the one that we watched with the bowling alley? What was that one called? Evil Bong 420. That's right. Right. Well, we saw, we did see an appearance from Uga Booga in that one. And the Ginger Dead Man, he showed up too. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, well, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what's he going did. on there he, 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 in the world of He Britain. really also, showed up in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the world of print, uh, director Sam Furstenberg, who made his bones directing uh, many films for, for Golan Globus and uh, Canon Films. Uh, he is the director of such fair as American Ninja and American Ninja 2, uh, Revenge Ooh. of the Ninja, Ninja 3, The Domination, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Break in Two, Electric Boogaloo, another personal favorite of mine, as well as what one. I think is the most underrated action film in the Michael Dudikoff, Steve James uh, partnership, which is called Avenging Force. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but that is one badass action film from that era. Uh, but there's going to be uh, a book called Stories from the Trenches uh, about all of director Sam Furstenberg's film. Uh, it's going to be a whopping 755 pages, a deep dive into all of these films, <laughs> featuring interviews yeah. with all wow. kinds of cast members, including Michael Dudikoff, including Lucinda Dickey, um, including Ozo and Turbo, Ozone and Turbo before uh, all of this was uh, compiled before Ozone passed away uh, earlier yeah. this year. And um, I will be looking forward to, to, to reading that. Um, it's actually currently uh, available for purchase. Um, wherever books are sold. So um, I'll be looking forward to that. And also in the world of print, uh, I did order today, uh, and I've, we talked about this previously on the show, but Quentin Tarantino himself has written a novelization for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it is out now. Um, from mm -hmm. what I gather, uh, it's going to uh, really flesh out the character of Cliff Booth, uh, there's going to be, from what I understand, a whole lot more uh, to the relationship between Cliff Booth and Bruce Lee. Uh, I think that I read, and I didn't find out what happens, and I don't know if I want to know or not, uh, but I think I did read that we will find out if Cliff Booth did or did not kill his wife. Uh, so the novelization is here. Uh, the paperback uh, version is available for like seven bucks and change. I ordered it today. It should be arriving tomorrow. Um, so I'll be looking forward uh, to reading that as well. So a couple different things there going on in the world of print. Uh, we had talked mine, about print. And I shall have it by July 6th. Sweet. Yeah. I'm going to um, order mine open this weekend. We previously on the show had talked about how uh, Kevin Bacon had joined the cast of the upcoming Toxic Avenger uh, reboot as the villain, uh, and another casting announcement has uh, come down uh, the slime, and 
that is Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood is also uh, going to be joining the cast of the Toxic Avenger reboot. So Kevin Bacon, Elijah Wood, Peter Dinklage, like <laughs> this thing is lining up some names, and I find that to be very exciting <laughs> uh, that they want to step into the into the Toxic world. So uh, I saw that and wanted to mention that as well. Um, yep, I'm sure Wood Kaufman is really happy too. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> uh, Count that money. His money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, after starring in the first and second film, uh, as well as a TV series, uh, John Jarrett is stepping back into the role uh, that has made him famous, uh, and uh, there's going to be a Wolf Creek 3. Um, I have not seen uh, Wolf Creek 2, nor have I seen uh, this, the TV series, uh, but I did see the first Wolf Creek film, and I did like it. John Jarrett plays Mick Taylor, kind of like outback, Australian outback serial killer uh, kind of dude. Um, but it's been announced that Wolf Creek 3 is going into production. Um, so if you were a fan of that series... Uh, there will be more of that for you to enjoy. I don't know if any of you guys have seen any of that stuff. So, yeah, I've seen the first two. I'm not a fan of them, but they're okay. You know, I'm kind of underwhelmed yeah. by them, but it has a yeah. fan base. I liked the first you know, one. These people, I liked. I know it has a fan base. It wasn't bad. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't see it in the in the theater, um, but I certainly, uh, you know, watched it, and um, you know, I liked it, and I have no reason. Uh, for not uh, having like gone back and seen the second one, um, yeah. But apparently, the TV series was like an anthology uh, where different characters uh, were hunted down by by Mick Taylor. I think there were, as I'm looking at it right now, there were 12 episodes, uh, and it ran from May 2016 to December 2017. So, um, but there's some Wolf Creek stuff if that's your thing. Um, Wolf Creek 3 on the way. Let's see. What else do we got here that's worth mentioning? Oh, yeah. Here you go. William Marshall, uh, with much class and personal prestige, um, helped make uh, Blackula uh, the the success that it was in its time, uh, as well as the sequel, uh, Scream, Blackula screen uh it also uh has a the first film has a fantastic uh soundtrack uh that i have on vinyl that i was actually listening to yesterday um there is going to be a blackula reboot uh directed by Dion taylor uh for mgm it's going to be a modern uh reimagining but uh, they're saying that this actually is going to pick up after the events of Scream, Blackula Scream, and even though it's going to be a modern reimagining in a way, it is going to be a Blackula Part Three as well. So uh, I thought I found uh, some, found that to be like a pretty cool uh, news item that I did not see until today, given that I um, was truly listening to the soundtrack uh, yesterday. Yeah, great. Cool. So, one of the best. Yeah. All right. There you have it. Uh, I showed that to you because I had documented my, my listening as I often do. 
And uh, finally, I think that um, I think I have something else here. I'm writing. Did anybody <laughs> catch the Don't Breathe Two trailer? I did. Yeah. No. Negative. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Indeed. Did you go? I I have indeed. Yeah. Yes, it was a. Uh, I think it's a little bit odd. Um, yeah, of, yeah. A di- yeah. of a direction to go in, considering where the first movie was. But okay, I guess they got feedback from people and decided that that was the better way to go. Yeah, it's problematic. <laughs> I will say that watching that trailer, I was like, eh, it's a little problematic <laughs> the way that they're treating the blind man from the first uh, Don't Breathe. But hey, listen, let's just do a complete flip. <laughs> just. Go the yeah. direction you're going in. <laughs> I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. The guy, obviously, there was some sympathy to be had for him, you know, but on the same front, you know, once you get to the to the later portions of that movie, you kind of don't anymore. He kind of hits some irredeemable spots. And it's like, wow, I wonder how they're going to flip all of that. Is this going to be a prequel? Or is this taking place after? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually watched it twice. I was like, wait, 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 wait. He, he did a lot of things in the first one. Now, sure. Hey, listen, everybody loves the blind man, apparently. Even though he's an incredibly heinous character. But hey, listen. He's hey, fucking people. great. Don't get me wrong. He was fucking awesome in the movie. But it's <laughs> like, I, that's like, a, that's like major fucking flippage, man. I mean, you're really readdressing the entire thing. But again, you know what? I really like the first movie. And that is yep. one that I'm definitely, without a doubt, looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I, even I with the weird trailer. The, the trailer is weird, but it's cool to see this blind man still using his tricks and everything like that against the people invading his home. But it's a hard pill to swallow when when you when you realize you know what they're doing with the character now, and it's like, hey, that last one, <laughs> well, just ignore some details, and then you you have part two. Deeps. You didn't get the whole story, darling. That's all it is. You missed a couple of spots. We're going to fill it in for you. It's all good. It's going to be fine. The kids are going to love it, and he's going to be the newest costume for Halloween. The Your kids are going to love Yaffa Blocks. Oh, dang, wow. You guys. That's a fucking flashback. You guys are going to be. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you guys are just going to love him now, and it's just going to be a whole new experience. Everybody's going to want to hug the blind man. <laughs> I mean, okay, guys. It's a lot. <laughs> like, even reading the comments, we're like, wait a second. Is, 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 is he's that now? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, we're just going to forget about the whole picket baser, aren't we? <laughs> we know he never will. <laughs> man, I swear. Thanksgiving was never the same. If he's ever doing if he's ever doing signing somewhere, dude, there's no fucking chance in hell that I am not going there with a turkey baster for him to autograph <laughs> for me. You have to. <laughs> and if nobody has yet, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I would bring a brand new turkey baster. 
I still think it is the biggest missed opportunity that they did not cast Stephen Lang as Cable. I think that man was oh yeah designed from the ground up to play that fucking character. And oh yet, fuck yeah! You know, instead we got Thanos. I mean, no, listen, nothing <laughs> against Josh, Josh Brolin. He did all right. Don't get me wrong. He did okay. He did. But Stephen Lang just is, he's exactly as Rob Liefeld put that fucking character to paper. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I remember before Deadpool 2 came out, I'm like, okay, Stephen Lang's going to be cast. I mean, it's like not even a chance that he's not. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Josh Brolin. What? Okay. But uh, come on, Stephen Lang's available. He is I take one thing back. <laughs> I bet you Stephen Lang's feet look better than anything Rob Liefeld ever drew. But <laughs> he's cut in Liefeld. He does not know how to draw no, feet. Uh, no, no. <laughs> his, his fucking leg dynamics were off all the time. It was, it was one of those that when like you, you read the comics and you looked at it, you were just like, oh, I guess that's just his style. And then like years later, you realize, oh, you know, he was all right, but you know. Part of that style was kind of shitty. Yep. But, again, yeah. <laughs> Cable is fucking, you know, X-Force and, and Cable and Deadpool and all that fun shit, so. X-Force. And pouches. <laughs> lots of fucking pouches. Lots, lots of, of lots pouches. of pouches. <laughs> Listen, the way they had that set up, man, I assumed that my future was going to be filled with fucking vests with pouches all over them. <laughs> with pouches oh. all over them. You need some place to store your bullets or whatever other weapons that you're throwing psychokinetically, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, well, and I love the fact that to this day, in, instead of bringing books, some fans will actually just bring a random pouch and have them sign the pouch. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. You can never have too many pouches of Deadpool. You're just covered in pouches. Some of them probably empty. Speaking, you just need to have pouches. Speaking of pouches, I want to give a uh, a double shout out. You know, I mean, first and foremost, you know, and again, the, the main reason I say pouches is because some of the things that I picked up while I was up there. We took a trip over to, to, to Salem this past weekend. Um, did nice. a little bit of whale watching, which was fucking far out. Um, out of Gloucester. That was just a really cool fucking experience. We had a, a mom and her baby, like, right up, like, right next to us, like, right there. Oh, wow, dude. Um, it was it was so fucking cool. Uh, I, yeah, my parents, when they used to take the kids out on the boat and all that shit, I always missed that shit because I was high somewhere fucking sleeping it off, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so getting to find the experience, it was, was pretty rad. Um, again, hence the pouches, though. As we all know, Rec Legal stayed up there. A lot of good shit to be had, and Salem has its own dispensary, like, in the town proper now called Seagrass. It is fucking fantastic. It smells like heaven. So if there's ever an idea of what heaven smells like, it is a nice dispensary like that. Now, I've been to multiple dispensaries, and I know they don't all smell like that, but that particular dispensary smelt like heaven. We went on the – we did a a nighttime tour. You know, a ghost tour, which was pretty far out. You know, all kinds of history and other Sweet. things explained around there. Yes, indeed. We did the, uh, the Salem Witch Dungeon, which was pretty fucking rad as well. They did a whole, like, performance of, like, what the, uh, the entire, like, uh, the, the trials were like for, like, one particular woman. 
and then we actually like went down into like a full-on recreated version of what the fucking jails and everything looked like there and wow man was that ever a shitty fucking scenario there was some uh, some some heavy duty shit there like these are all the things that we meant to do all the other times we've gone and just instead we ate gummies and fucking wandered around and like explored the town but this time we actually did some of the uh the touristy things mm-hmm. And then the last shout-out is, man, we're fucking heading to Mahoning this weekend on Sunday for the never-ending story right. on the big screen. Oh. And, oh, and, there we go. and Noah Hathaway, mm. Atreyu himself, will be there. You know, so I don't think it gets much more radical than that. I would love Oliver Barrett to be there because I'd be like, holy shit, dude. Like, you were the little kid that I totally wanted to be as a kid myself because you were in some of the coolest fucking movies, like Daryl. Um Daryl? I mean, come on. Nice. Yeah. Can't go yeah. wrong with Daryl. Yeah, that was a big win for me when I was a kid. I used to that movie a lot. Uh, data analyzing robot youth life form. Indeed. That's that right. is what yeah, it was. You know, and his fucking <laughs> yeah. friend or whatever. The, wasn't the kid's name like Turtle or some shit? Um, <laughs> yeah. Buddy? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I know two movies that have turtle. That that movie and North Shore. North Shore, the other dude, uh, he was the guy that was in Point Break as well. He was one of the uh, the bank robbers, but that dude was turtle, and he taught the fucking kid in the movie how to duck dive. It's like you got to duck dive, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, turtle. That ain't turtle, bro. Uh, <laughs> hang tight. Uh, but hell yeah, dude. Mahoning Sunday. I mean, this whole weekend is actually pretty cool. We're only going up Sunday, but the the other parts of the weekend, Friday and Saturday, are uh, Karate Kid one through three. So you're talking mac and cheese, baby. Like you're getting ready for season four of Cobra Kai. <laughs> Mahoney driving is the way to fucking go. Um, you know, but uh, wow, we got like a major downpour all of a sudden here, dude. The fucking weather finally broke. Oh, there you go. Well, hey, it's cool right, to get to meet the horse. That, that's it for stories. me. What else you got, Dean? Uh, finally, coming both to the New York area as well oh. as to San Francisco on the heels of the smashing success uh, that the drive-through uh, Stranger Things exhibit was uh, in the Los Angeles area, uh, there is going to be an immersive Stranger Things adventure experience uh, that is coming uh, in the spring of 2022 uh, to both New York and San Francisco. It's a participatory event. You will be able to uh, escape uh, from the notorious parallel universe of the Upside Down, explore various recreated Stranger Things locations, uh, such as Scoops Ahoy Sunday Parlor and the Palace Arcade that's going to have a playable Mad Max game. Uh, Demi Gorgons are going to haunt guests throughout. Uh, there will be a heavy pour of 1980s nostalgia, supernatural mystery, and a darkly magical reimagining of Indiana that makes the show so beloved. So uh, tickets uh, for this are going to be going on sale in July, and they start at 54 bucks. Um, and uh, this event, again, will be coming uh, sometime in the spring of 2022. So an interactive, immersive Stranger Things experience. All right, that sounds pretty cool. So if you're in that area, check it out. <clears throat> so is that it, Dean? That's uh, the end of our news for tonight. Yeah, that's that's the that's the, the those are the items that I had on on my list of of things to talk about this evening. If I could just give one, one more quick sh- shout out, I'm really sorry. Oh, shout uh, out to you, know, you, you know me, I'm a whore. Um, 
no, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Michael Coppolo. Um, you know, Joe of the the Stone Age, uh, big big fan of his and, and that movie, obviously. Uh, but he had a new movie released recently uh, called Counterclockwise. Um, it's got time travel. It's got ki- all kinds of other stuff, and he's he's just some dude, you know. And uh, and I definitely uh, recommend. You know, for everybody to obviously check out The Stone Age because we love that movie, but also check out his new film. It's available, I think, on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you have to rent it or not, uh, but you can also purchase it, uh, which is what I did. I purchased the physical copy, uh, and I have myself what? the DVD of it. So hook your asses up. Well, there you go. go ahead. The movie's called Counterclockwise, starring Michael Coppola. And, you know, he's fucking a rad dude, man. He's hooked us up plenty, man. He has signed, you know, both my copy of the Stone Age as well as a copy for for the fucking Dean, which was his present from like months ago that finally took forever to get to him, but it got to him. So, so yes, indeed. Right. Michael Coppola, we that love you, bro. Him. Sure, we do. We, we love him, and that's great that he's got a new project and that you can purchase it now. Oh, here. All right. So, with that being said, uh, shout outs and hard news over with. Monkey, this is your farewell movie for July, so why don't you kick us off with some Cape Fear from 1991, directed by Martin Scorsese. Yep, Cape Fear. All right, well, this Cape Fear, anyway, is the 1991 <laughs> remake of the 1962 film of the same name. All right, this is the story of the Bowden family, a nice little southern family where the mom and dad have nice cushy jobs so they can afford a lush piece of beautiful southern property in a sweet little southern town. <laughs> that is until a random gentleman shows up in the town swearing that he and Sam Bowden have some 14 years of sour history between the two of them that needs to be rectified, a rectification from which Sam will learn the true meaning of pain and loss. All right, Rectum. I've been wanting to pick. Yep, I've been wanting to pick a Cape Fear movie for the longest fucking time. But since we ju- just covered a Robert Mitchum film not too long ago, I figured let's just stay in the '90s groove that I had going on since my last pick with '90s suspense movies for a little bit longer, and let's just go with this one. And what do you know? It's also a Fourth of July movie. So, with the exception of Juliette Lewis being in this movie, I. I fucking love this movie. I saw it twice in theaters because it's a great uh, date film for horny-ass fucking teenagers. But yeah, especially with the nearest performance in this movie, I believe this should be considered like one of those absolute must-see movies of all time for anyone who loves cinema. And that's all I got to say about that. All right. So, Ghoul, what do you think about Cape Fear? Uh, you know, this was one of those films that I, I saw, not in theaters, but I did see it uh, shortly after its release. Um, I remember my stepdad getting a bootleg copy of this, um, and it was great quality. Uh, you know, there, there were those rare instances that he got, you know, somebody with like a shitty camcorder in the theater type of deal, but for the most part, he yep. always got fairly good uh, quality bootlegs. Um, you know, and, and again, obviously being what, 12, when this movie came out, you know, I'm not really grasping all those concepts and, and everything that's oh, going dude, on with the movie. 1991, dude. 12? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I was born in 77, so what, maybe I was 13? Remember, my birthday's not until <laughs> no, December, right. so, hmm. um, you know, so, yeah, 87 would have been, I would have been 10, but that would have been December of 87, so, yeah, I was probably about, uh, like, 
12 or 13 at this point. Uh, and again, it's a heady concepts, you know, like I, I, I watched plenty of broad stuff and read plenty of things, but like, I just wasn't a fan yet of like adult, adult films um, that didn't involve pornography. Uh, so, you know, just basically taking the long way around all of this, I really didn't grasp the film then. Watching it now, obviously, with, with different eyes, adult eyes, this, this show's eyes, um, doll's eyes, <laughs> devil's eyes. Devil's um, eyes, the blackest eyes. <laughs> the, uh, grasping more of the concepts and what's going on, I, you know... I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I did. I feel like a lot of the film comes off as kind of pretentious. Um, and I know what Scorsese's doing here, but I don't necessarily enjoy it all that much. Um, and, and really watching this, you know, like, uh, obviously I see, oh, there's Robert Mitchum. Oh, there's Gregory Peck. You know, take that. I look and I see that, you know, they were in the original film. What I really want to do and I haven't yet. I wanted right, to yeah. see the I wanted to see the original film. Like that's what I wanted to go back and actually watch. And like I wonder if watching that film will give me a better appreciation of this one because I feel like with it this will. one I'm uh I, I'm like on the fence as to whether or not I like it. Okay. All right, Dean, what do you think about Cape Fear? Um I really like Cape Fear. Um I you know, Cape Fear is one of those uh, that comes from that kind of, I would really have to do some looking for all the releases for each year, but I feel like the 1987 kind of through like 1993, 1994 was like a prime window for like thrillers, uh, like adult themed thrillers. Uh, that's that where the main characters were adults and the target audience was for adults um, the kind of films that, uh, you know, don't necessarily get made all that often and haven't, and haven't in quite some time. But, uh, I really like Cape Fear and it was all about it, uh, when it was released. Uh, when Cape Fear came out, um, you know, my, my personal lover of film and movies was growing in this era at leaps and bounds and I was starting to, really get into Robert De Niro uh, and starting to get into Scorsese. And, you know, when there was something with De Niro at this point in time, for me, was like a really big deal when Robert De Niro was going to be in a new movie. Now, I had heard uh, that Cape Fear was a remake, and I did after seeing this version. Did I have seen the original film as well. Um, but while I do like this film very much, I feel that this is a film that is one of really great performances and not necessarily uh, a great film as a whole. I mean, obviously, I believe that Robert De Niro's performance in this film is like completely spectacular, and uh, I really think that Scorsese did a really good job kind of developing an atmosphere that was like hot and sweaty, uh, like the way that you knew it was in the South where this film uh, was taking place. Um, I really like, I really like this film and, you know, I, I think De Niro's performance and Juliette Lewis's performance uh, is, is just, just excellent as well. 
Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, you know, and, and a great cast. So, yeah, I, I really like Cape Fear. And it has been on a steady rotation uh, over the last several weeks. On And I think I've referenced this when you put in the chat that this was the pick. Uh, like, I've actually seen this film, like, I don't know, uh, like start to finish once, but then in different chunks, like three or four times over the last several weeks. So uh, it's really fresh in my mind. Um, and I've really been kind of thinking about it and watching it because it actually has been a very long time since I have seen it. So uh, definitely also looking forward to the opportunity to uh, to talk about it more. But I do like Kate Pierre, yes. What about you, Kate? Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had uh, seen Kate Pierre for the first time when I was uh, a freshman in high school and really getting into movies. like real, Not just horror movies, but movies as a whole. Um, exploring Martin Scorsese as a director because I'm, I think Taxi Driver is one of his best movies. Um, but with Cape Fear, it's the fact that you have such an influence from Hitchcock when you watch this movie, especially now, because it's been so long since I've seen Cape Fear. And watching it now, it's clearly Alfred Hitchcock was an influence on how this movie was lensed, especially when you think about it. Freddie Francis was the cinematographer for this film, and Freddie Francis alone is a huge influence on cinema from his work with Amicus to his Tales of Hoffman from 1951, which influenced George Romero to become a director. Um, <clears throat> the fact that Scorsese moved from 1361 ratio when he filmed all of his other films, which makes everything look taller, you know, when you see it on the big screen, to now working in uh, 2391, which makes everything more wide and more cinematic and just breathes more. And you can tell when you watch this movie that it's much wider in scope. Uh, so it's those type of things that really kind of show and showcase in the film. Uh, having the Elmer Bernstein score, which if you hear that, you know it's from Cape Fear. You know, they, they parody yeah. it on The Simpsons and Seinfeld and all these other things. So when you hear it, you know that that's from Cape Fear. But, you know, Robert De Niro does a fantastic job as Max Cady. At no point is he the type of villain that is charismatic in any way, where you're like, oh, that's kind of a cool villain. Like, you know, the entire time it's like he's, he's a dirtbag. You know, there's nothing good about this character to kind of be like, oh, he's a badass. Like, no, he's just a disgusting rapist that's out for this wild frenzy revenge against Sam Bowden uh, and his family in North Carolina. But it's also seeing Nick Nolte play a character where he's not insane, like in his later years, where he's actually kind of normal and commanding <laughs> the, the, the stage and the screen. And uh, Jessica Lange, who I'm not a fan of, she's here. She shows up does the job and goes home. You know, I mean, that's a, I really have no opinion about Jessica Lange, and I'm not a fan of Juliette Lewis either, um, except for a movie she did with Brad Pitt and did with a company called California from the early 90s, which I think is <clears throat> a movie that everybody should see because it is a, a thriller, just like the, uh, the monkey was saying about early 90s thrillers. That's another I one saw that in the theater, out, but, man. You know, I barely remember that mm -hmm. one, but I saw California in theaters. <clears throat> it is a, a really good one that uh, has a lot of rewatchability factor. I have it on Blu-ray, actually. Um, but it's, it's definitely worth your time. But it, it, the only problem I have with Scorsese is when he makes his movies, he makes them long. He doesn't really know how to make a short movie. This movie could easily be an hour 35, hour 40, but he goes for the two hour and eight minute mark. And at some point it does drag. Like, unfortunately, this movie has those moments where you're just like, all right, let's move on to the next scene. Let's, let's move on to the next thing we're going to do. You know, the movie starts out spectacular where it just goes right into it. You know, we are right into Max Cady being released, and we're going right into North Carolina where Stan Bowden and his family are, but then you have these lulls where you kind of just wish it would, it would it kick up a little bit, you know, from the, the trials that we see at the end. But overall, I mean, it's a, a great movie. Um, but I do like the fact that he does kick it off pretty fast. 
you know, where you're getting that Katie getting out, going right to the theater where they're watching Problem Child for some reason. And the fact that Max Katie fucking <laughs> thinks it's hilarious. That's what I'm smoking on that big old dong with a cigar. <laughs> yeah, but, but but also it's like the, the the other thing about this movie is like this movie, like again, this, now we're going to get into it, King, is that this movie, in my opinion, shot De Niro up the, up the A-list, okay? Because, yeah, he was known for Goodfellas. You know, he was known for Taxi Driver, you know, but he... He was one of those actors that was always in movies, but he, like, was considered top list, but wasn't getting A-list paychecks. After this movie, you, you look at his shit, and it's one or one or two movies for the next ten years. Is like, you know, he's always, always in a movie. Like, this, you know, this movie shot him up and made, you know, him a bigger star now. Where, you know, it made his name more just common. Yeah, yeah, I don't know I if I necessarily agree, agree with that, man. Yeah, I disagree pretty vehemently with that. I mean, I tried to explain it to you last week when you explained it to me, but I don't think so. I don't think Cape Fear put him back on the map. He was never off the map. He was always in demand. He was always doing something. So it's not like he left for a couple of years. Everybody's like, whatever happened to Robert De Niro? Oh, wow, he's showing up in Cape Fear. Like, no, he was always in high demand, and he was always making movies. I mean, he, just the year before, he was in Awakenings with Robert Williams, where he was nominated Seriously, for like best he had a string of hits before pre-Cape Fear, Awakenings, Goodfellas, uh, Stanley yeah. and Iris, Where No Angels, which mm-hmm. was a big hit, Midnight Run was a yeah. big hit, Untouchables was a huge smash hit. Um, like, you just rattle them off. I don't know that I would that I agree with the monkey <laughs> statement there either. I think I'm agreeing with the King of Horror on that one as well. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I mean... They're saying, Monkey, everything, you know, I mean, they're saying everything I was thinking. I mean, shit, man. He was Al Capone in the fucking Untouchables, man. <laughs> I mean, the guy was busy all. So he's been busy all throughout his career. You know, the one thing I'll say with this movie is, is it's, it's one of the first times that I've ever seen him not playing a New York or Italian-esque yeah. Mm-hmm. character um and i know you know he gets the nomination for for actor for this role um yeah i'll be perfectly honest you know like between him and juliette lewis who gets the oscar nod for uh, the the nomination for best supporting actress in this movie i couldn't like okay like i want <laughs> yeah, I to feel it. certain yeah. things towards max katie I want mm-hmm. to feel certain things yeah. towards, you know, Juliet Lewis's character. But all I could do while watching the two of them is just be like, it feels, it just feels unnatural for the two of them. Yeah. Like you have 18-year-old yeah. Juliet Lewis here who is supposed to be playing a 15-year-old girl, but she's playing it like she's fucking nine or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what yeah. it was. You know, yep. Honestly, the ghoul yeah. girl even asked, like, is she trying to play, like, is she mentally, like, disabled or something? <laughs> like, what is it that she's actually going for here? And again, like, I get De Niro's whole performance, and I get that he's trying to be an irritating character, and he's trying to be up in your face. And this is, this is everything that this character is supposed to be doing, but fuck if that accent just did not feel so forced <laughs> out of this guy. Like, I couldn't fucking take it, man. Like, and this is why, again, like, watching this movie, I feel like if I watch the original films, like, if you showed me Gregory Peck 
and Robert Mitchum with these kind of accents, I'm going to be like, okay, see, I can believe those guys with them because I don't know them as your typical, oh, I'm a, hey, I'm this, I'm, I'm fucking, you know, I'm Robert fucking De Niro. I'm walking down fucking Broadway right now, and I'm going to knock the fucking lights out if you look at me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, that's De Niro, how I always hear him. So I can never, yeah, like, yeah. really fathom him with this weird southern Georgia accent that he's trying to pull off here. That doesn't sound like well, anybody I've ever heard. Like, he, he drops it sometimes. Ever. Yeah, he did lose <laughs> it a couple of times. This is true. Yeah. He has it a couple but, times, but, and he's like, well, you know, that's how I do account for, you know how it is. And on the next he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> what? Okay, he dropped it. Okay. They just went with that take. Well, but, you know, well, yeah, at, sometimes he had it. Well, I don't know. But the, but the entire cast does it. That's another problem with this movie is, you know, everyone's supposed to be Southern, but everyone's actions keep fading in and out throughout the entire thing. <laughs> I didn't know really it's the South by way too much California. From, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, with, it's most apparent with De Niro. I mean, you have uh, Robert Mitchum playing uh, Lieutenant Elhart. I mean, that's just Robert Mitchum being Robert Mitchum. There's no accent. Mm-hmm. It's just in the well, yeah. yep, I could arrest him, but I don't know. I mean, you don't really have a lot of evidence there. Like, you know, I mean, it's just Robert Mitchum being Robert Mitchum. And as far as Juliette Lewis, where, yeah, she's acting nine. She's like, la, la, hi, I'm in high school. I like bands and music. And I'm like, all right. Like, what age I are you supposed to be playing? I touch myself sometimes. I mean, it's just that one scene where she's laying in bed and she's wearing the little, like, you know, girl panties. And Sam's like, will you put some pants on? She's like, why? Stop it. Yeah, he's right. Put on some pants. Like, you're acting nine and you're 18, being 15. Like, none of this makes sense, you know. um, Yeah, and I mean, like, that's the thing. Again, like, I get, like, what they're trying to show us is a girl that's burgeoning you know, upon womanhood, and she's yeah. she's got these curiosities, and she's got like these these feelings that she doesn't understand. I just don't feel like Juliette Lewis is the right actress to be trying to show us any of this. Through, and I'm not talking about just because it's Juliette Lewis. I'm saying through the performance that I'm witnessing here. Now, like the other thing that you mentioned was the score. She's not a girl, now, not yet a woman. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Um, <laughs> I think that's a, a completely different singer. Um, but, but, you know, like uh, the score for the film. So, yes, the Cape Fear theme is like a classic thing, right? Yeah. But why does every fucking scene in this movie have to have some kind of like <laughs> ominous, threatening fucking music going on with it? Like we get introduced to the family at the beginning of the movie. Things are perfectly uh, fucking happy and true. normal with this family and we're getting... <laughs> it felt like watching fucking Peter in, in Forgetting Sour Marshall when he was like just fucking around with everything and he's like, oh, you want ominous light and fluffy? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. When it works, it works. But yeah, Come when on, man. Ice cream, I got Almond Brothers cream. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want it's true. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just when they're going out for ice cream, you don't need to really make it ominous. It's like, uh, here's your ice cream, sweetie. Dun dun dun. Wow, it's awfully ominous. I mean, that's also the scene where he sees Max Cady sitting in his car. And he becomes Michael Myers for like five seconds, where all of a sudden he's sitting in his car, then he's gone. The car's vanished in the thin air. 
because of fuck that. <laughs> For a couple seconds there, he became a supernatural killer. He disappeared into the wind. Um, and like it's another movie that the monkey picks where an animal dies that's, you know, part of the family fold. They show that dog for five seconds. You're like, we have a dog. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah, it's going. <laughs> There's no way this dog makes it out the entire movie. But the fact that it, it went out so fast, it's like, you didn't even have a chance to like that dog. They weren't like, oh, we're palling around. Nope, nope. Max Katie saw that dog, killed it, but no evidence to prove it. <laughs> it's like, of course not. Well, can't they, exactly they, arrest him for something. You mentioned it like two or three more times in the movie, though, so we know that the dog existed, you know, 45 <laughs> minutes later in the fucking two-hour film. Sorry, two hours and three yeah. minutes or whatever it is. Well, of course, when Max Kitty shows up with the uh, the dog collar, I completely forgot they had a dog. I was like, is he just showing up with a random dog collar and being like, hey, uh, Mrs. Bowden? Just come by and drop this off. And like, oh, that's right. They had a fucking dog. They had a this dog. This is for your daughter, Miss <laughs> Bowden. <laughs> I earned it you myself know. in prison that one time when I spread my yeah. cheeks and I made sweet love. Oh, man, when he's talking <laughs> to Sam Bode about getting raped by four white guys and then four black guys, I was like, wow. Man, Max Katie had a time in that 14 years. But wouldn't you know about it, being cornered by four men and being inside a mask? No, I don't. I don't know anything about that, Mr. Katie. Which, again, like, I feel like the, the idea of this film versus what Scorsese is showing us is that we're supposed to kind of, to some extent, feel a little bit of sympathy towards Max mm-hmm. Katie. You know, we get oh, right from yeah. the start, you know, early on that, you know, Nick Nolte, Bell Bowden's character, he fucked this guy over. Now, it's, they yeah. also don't let us know for a fact as to whether or not we know he did it. They kind of, you know, we get Nick Nolte saying like, oh, you should have seen the pictures of what he did to this girl, blah, 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 blah. But yet, really, we, we don't know for a fact. You know, the fact that they had evidence as far as the pictures go don't necessarily mean that this guy did it. That reveal isn't until later in the film when Nick Nolte says to him, you know, you bragged to me about getting off two other times that you did it. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, that's my, that's my crazy Nolte impression. My bad. Oh, that's perfect, though. That works. Not bad. Not bad. It works. Nick Nolte. Um, <laughs> you know, but, like, that, that's the thing. Like, that's when we're supposed to be like, oh, fuck, no shit. This charming motherfucker, he did this, and, and we've been kind of feeling bad for him. But at no point in this movie do I ever feel that way. Nor at any point in this movie do I really have any feeling for the fucking Bowden family. I kind of like nope. Jessica Lang the best out of this entire <laughs> film. I feel bad for that dumb, that, that darn drunken, nutty artist that she is. Well... <laughs> well, that's one of the things that that's one of the things that makes it an interesting character study because, in theory, like on its surface, it's like Nick Nolte's family, the protagonists, Max Cady, yeah. the antagonist, the villain, uh, like good versus evil. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. Like, you know, just because Nick Nolte, you know, did what he did to keep a dangerous criminal off of the streets. Um, in general, he doesn't appear to be uh, like a very likable character. Like it's obviously a family uh, that doesn't appear to be like super close, that has all kinds of like interpersonal, like kind of weirdness and awkwardness between them. You know, whether that's because like 
mom is drinking and an artist and, you know, Nick Nolte's a workaholic and, you know, no one is necessarily giving uh, Juliet Lewis enough attention that she needs at the, at the, at the time uh, in her life that she currently is. Um, Flowering. You know, they're not necessarily a likable family uh, <laughs> that you're, like, rooting for uh, to, like, survive Max Katie. Uh, and that's one of the things to me that that makes that makes it interesting because you know it's it, yes of course I'm not necessarily wanting Nick Nick Goldie's family to perish but like they're not like a family that you're like rooting for if that makes sense exactly exactly, exactly. Well, well, yeah. because the family is sense. flawed because at the at the same time, Sam, like you said, is not the best husband either because he's a workaholic, but he's also a workaholic because apparently he's had a few affairs on the side, and we get privy to his latest one in the movie with a, a court clerk. Who is who I love. I, just, I, I love Ileana Douglas. I wish I could hear more stuff. She's so great. And everything she's that she a, does. Yeah, she's just watch Scorsese. Though, she's, a, she's a mainstay, yeah. mainstay of the Scorsese universe. And she used to date him, so I mean it makes sense, you know that the, you know they weren't the couple, and she's a mainstay. But see her here as Laurie, as the, you know the one that's in love with Sam. So you see that he's not a perfect character either. But I just love that scene between her and Max at the bar, where she's completely drunk, you know, and talking to this guy that she doesn't really know. But it's all, you could tell it's ad-libbed. You could tell that's not really scripted. They're just talking back and forth. Her making those weird jokes about the guy that got out of prison. <clears throat> he just cut his wife up in 52 pieces. Well, you can't cut me up in that pit in any pieces because I'm so light. Like, you know, it's just a great back and forth between these two characters with mm-hmm. him just kind of laughing at everything that she's saying, knowing exactly what he's going to do. And he does not hold back when he gets there, when he gets her up into the bedroom. Oh, yeah. You know, and starts messing around with her. It is fucking brutal. And it's just, it's showing you exactly who Max Katie is. You know, he's a guy that's going to lure you in, and then as soon as your guard's down a little bit, he handcuffs you, and then bites the fuck out of your face before raping. Like, it, you needed yeah. that to see how fucking devilish he is. Unfortunately, I wish they had taken that scene just further, um, just to sit there. Because, okay. like, they started to, no, they started to get going, but then they cut away to where you see just the silhouettes on the shade kind of thing. You know, instead, you know, just sit there and, Put more blood on the screen, you know. Make it evident. Put it out there. Fuck with you. Make you feel uncomfortable. Just don't give you a tease there, and then, you know, as you see, we see the after effects later. That's how you get an X-ray, monkey. That's stylistic choice yeah. as well, though, because like the king said earlier, like a lot of this film is this is film in that Hitchcockian style. Um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fast cuts scenes in which, like, you know, you'll be watching a character, like, sitting there, and the camera's kind of, like, slowly zooming in, or slowly yep. backing away. Um, you know, a lot of, lot, of, lot of that going on throughout this entire movie. Like I said, it, it's one of those things where, it, in some regards, it comes off as a little bit pretentious, um, but at the same time, yeah. too, like I mm-hmm. said from the start, I know exactly what it was that he was going for, so if you know that, then you could kind of at least appreciate it a little bit. So cutting away at that point during the violence, you know, he gave you more in that bite and some of that initial violence than you would have ever seen in those types of films. But that cut away to outside that window like that, where you're just seeing that shadow, that is complete. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's Ma 
killing, you know, Janet Lee in Psycho type of deal where there's yeah. just that, yeah. that, that moving back just that little bit because your, your thoughts are going to yeah. take you further than anything they can really show you on screen, or at least that's what they're trying to do. Um, I like the scene for the violence that it was. Um, but at the same time, it's like, again, like it's one of those where like, like we just went over with, you know, where it's like in a lot of ways, I kind of wish maybe we didn't know for sure if Katie did this or not, because once you make every character in the movie despicable, then, you know, like, you know, again, like who am I really rooting for or, or following here? You know, like, cause if everybody's that bad, then I kind of want to just see everybody get their comeuppance and perish. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Yeah, it's hard to root for anybody in this movie, really. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I both like and dislike about this movie is that there really isn't anybody to root for, you know, other than and, Lee, the wife, who just wants to paint and drink. I feel that even though... Um, Nick Nolte's family didn't perish, um, you know, as Julia Lewis is like, like that, the odd choice in, 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 in closing out with her voiceover, um, even though they did not perish per se, you know, as she stated, things are, are, are never going to be the same, you know, like I think in a way that like, well, they didn't die. Like they certainly like didn't necessarily like survive. Like, I don't know that, uh, the, that marriage is going to be able to continue. I don't know what the relationship will be uh, between uh, parents and daughter. Like, there's a lot of questions that they leave about that family. It's not like, oh, it's a happy ending, and, you know, we we have survived Max Cady, and we know he's dead, and now we can all hug and, and come back together as a family. Like, they don't give you any indication at all, like that that's the case and the future for the family. So, you know, while no, they didn't die. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a happy ending. Years of therapy. That's what occurs. After something like that. <laughs> years and years or, and years. Or you of just therapy. mix up as Kersick. You just go down that road and you mix up your Jim Beam with the Pepto Bisol. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And you know, just for, for finally bringing him up. Man, I enjoyed yeah, every scene yeah. that he was in. I fucking love that actor, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Joe Don Baker's Joe Don Baker. Yeah. He's, the, he's the same in yeah. the movie. He's just the, the fat doughy guy that drinks a lot and smokes cigars. Like, I no, think he really was drinking that liquor and that temple is small. Except in this, he comes off <laughs> as a bit of a badass as well, though. That, that's what I kind of like. Yeah. I, like I like the fact that he's kind of like, you know what, listen, guy, you know, we'll go. We'll talk to him. You know what? You want to rough him up? Let's get some fuck. We're going to get some three guys, <laughs> big guys. They're going to fuck this dude up. Like, there's never any kind of, like, comedic performance out of him. There's no. everything you no. hear coming out of him. He's dead serious with it. Yet yeah, you look totally. at him and you would and you would think, this fat guy is going to do what? You know, so it just makes it just <laughs> makes it, I, again, like, like the monkey said, I loved every scene that this yep. guy was in because he knew what movie he was in and you could feel it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could just feel that energy from him. It's just, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. That also, though, like that that relationship uh, between Sam and Kersick, like it just it also paints you a little bit more of a picture the kind of relationships and people uh, that Nick Nolte does business with, because you know 
as it, you could call him, mm-hmm. you know, like a, like a, an arrogant, sleazy private eye, which he is. Um, yeah. But that's who Sam is doing business with. And he plays that role so well. There are so many films that that dude is in where he just like carries himself with that like arrogant confidence. Uh, he, he plays that Fletch. so well. I love, yeah. Yeah, totally. He's the, yeah, Fletch is good. Fletch. Yeah. Um, is the, uh, what, oh, what do they call him? Uh, he was the whammer, like the Babe Ruth type character in the natural, yeah. uh, that Roy Hobbs mm-hmm. strikes out with three pitches, uh, in the beginning, like in all the, in so many of the films Actually, that he's in, he plays, <laughs> no spoilers on movies that are 40 years old. But he just, he plays that kind of arrogant, sleazy character. So, so great. And, you know, I, it just, that, you can tell the kind of close business relationship uh, and maybe even friendship uh, that Nick Nolte's character has with Kersick, um, you know, so much so that, that he's volunteering to come into the house, uh, you know, later in the film to help defend the family home. Um, yeah. So yeah. as you try to explore yeah. the type of character that, that Nick Nolte is, I think, you know, that relationship um, you know, c- colors that in a way. But he's also not willing to let, you know, Max Cady think he's a badass. You know, like when he's sitting in that restaurant and Max Cady finds out that that's the guy that's looking for him, he doesn't just sit there and go, fuck, like, I've been, I've been made, I can't do this anymore. No, he goes right outside and he's like, why don't you get the hell out of here, Cady? You know, not even here, just get the fuck out of America. Like, go to some other country, yeah. go somewhere else, <laughs> don't even think about coming back. Like, he's not afraid to stand up to Cady at any point. You know, he's not afraid of him. He knows he's just a low-life punk, you know, so he's not afraid to show his colors. Even when he, uh, when you have Sam going to him, going, I need a gun. And he's like, perfect, yeah, you know, I'll get you a gun. I mean, what's your hand? <laughs> okay, you won't get you a nice little pistol. Uh, we'll go out and shoot some pink cans. But then he goes, oh, wait a second. You know, you're, you're planning on killing somebody. That's not the same as just shooting pink cans. Like, you have, you have to be ready to do this. And that's 15 years if you get caught. So you might want to think about that, man, before we go down this road. So he's also a voice of reason in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, yeah, but I also feel like, you know, with Nick Nolte's character, you know, you, you watch a lot of the things, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. so, so like the Dean said, you know, like you, you see some of the people that he associates with and stuff like that. Like the biggest thing that Nick Nolte wants to avoid throughout this entire movie is jail. You know, that's his biggest yeah. thing. Yep. You know, he does not... You know, we, we see it with the, the, the court clerk as well. Like she says, you know, if I go to, to, to accuse this guy, they're going to put me on trial. I've seen this. I know how they treat the women that go through that. And Nick Nolte's going to be painted the same way. He's going to be painted as an adulterous yeah. guy. He's going to be painted in every bad way possible. And on top of it, because of him burying the, the information yeah, that he, he to did. Keep that under towards, too. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this is the kind of thing that gets you disbarred. So everything that he's built in his entire career is is completely, you know, shit upon at that point. And as far as, like, lawyer stuff goes, and again, you know, most of the shit I know is just from movies and television <laughs> and books and stuff like that. But from, you know, from what I, I think might be true, I think in certain cases – if something that you've done as a lawyer turned out to be like shady in a way, it opens up the ability for other cases to be reopened and reexamined. 
because you mm-hmm. may have done something then as well. Um, so that just leads to all kinds of shit going on throughout the, the entire fucking the process, the whole system. And, and you know, every step of the way, character. you know, and after the, uh, the whole seduction of Danielle by Katie, where he sticks his thumb into her mouth and then kisses her in the auditorium, you know, she's kind of, uh, like, you know, he's, he's com- not so bad. Like, he's kind of cute, you know, <laughs> in a weird way. He's kind of fun. He smokes joints and, you know, he's kind of fun. But of course, Sam, you know, was like, this is fucked up. You know, I, I got to get cursed to hire some guys to fuck him up and, what a great scene when Katie gets out of that car and those three guys, yo, Katie, and they go to fuck him up. And then this with a pipe, Katie just takes out all three of them at once, all cut up in the chest from the strap. And, of course, what happens in typical fashion? We have Bowden there watching, and he trips over a bunch of cans. I love horror movies. Oh, I love it. I love, I love the face. The face <laughs> on Nick Nolte when he turns. He's behind that dumpster, <laughs> and he turns and knocks the cans. And the face that he makes <laughs> yeah. when those cans rattle as he freezes is just fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you out there, yeah. counselor? I can hear you, counselor. Are you out there? Come on. I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> and the entire time he's just Come out, come out, like, wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And immediately he seems like, fuck, we got to go on the defense. <laughs> I gotta hire this great uh, this great lawyer played by Gregory Peck. I gotta get him on my side. I gotta get this fucking done. Cause, you know, oh, oh, I'm sorry there, Mr. Bolden, but I've already been retained by Mr. Katie. I'll see you in court, <laughs> by God. <laughs> Damn it, Katie again. And I love Katie in the courtroom, just all beaten up, and he's got his arm in a sling and his hands all pushed back, <laughs> looking like a poor sick dog. Like, oh man, I got my ass kicked, Your Honor. It was all his fault. Because I have a tape recording, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to love the fact that, you know, Bowden goes and hires these the thugs, you know, for a grand mm-hmm. to go beat the shit out of this guy. And then yet at the same time, he felt like the nice thing to do was to warn him ahead of time that he was going to do it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know what? If you're at the point where you're hiring thugs... You kick somebody's ass. You do not go meet said person in a restaurant somewhere and be like, hey, listen, you go near my family again, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, no, that's that's a threat, okay? And and almost even without the tape recorder, it would have been easy enough for Katie to possibly get enough witnesses to show that Mm -hmm. Bowden was there. He was there, and words were exchanged, and then he was beat up. You know, like, the, the Google girl said it properly, man. The reality is this. The guy fucks with your kid. There is no hiring anybody. You're taking care of fucking business right then and there, man. The guy had his fucking finger in your little girl's mouth. Okay, God only knows what else he, he wanted to put in there. And Again, don't get me wrong. I get it, man. Juliette Lewis, she was... Whatever she was doing there, I don't fucking know. Like I said, I'm not quite sure what she was trying to play. She was coming a year off of Gilbert Grape, so maybe Arnie rubbed off a little bit. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, she she wants to suck on his thumb and then take his tongue down her fucking throat and then go run off weeping, man. I mean, I know we've all been there. Uh, I've heard stories about fucking Monkey with that, but, you know, it's... Uh, 
It is yeah. something. All I know is that that was one of one of my kids, man. Yeah, I'd be pretty fucking ripe upset about it. Yeah, I mean, you you would think that you would just go after him yourself. You'd be like, you know, we're gonna end this right now. I'm gonna beat your head in with a fucking pipe. I'm not gonna spend a thousand dollars each on a bunch of guys to do it. But that's not the way it goes. And of course, like you had said earlier, Ghoul, now we have the possibility of his disbarment because of that tape and because of things that came out about him and Katie as his lawyer. So what better way to kind of move on from this than to plan a trap for him? Let's plan a trap for Katie. We're going to pretend like we're going to go away for a while. He's going to come to our house, and then we're going to shoot him in self-defense. Like, you know, it's like one plan that you think is going to go down because you have Kersick on your side with the monofilament wire. Like, oh, man, this is the, the fucking ultimate plan. But Katie's fucking Michael Myers again because he just manages to get in that house while Katie's sitting there. I mean, while uh, Kersick is sitting there pouring his glass of Pepto-Bismol and Wild Turkey, and all of a sudden he's Graciela, the, the mate. I fucking love Robert De Niro in this fucking wig. And her outfit, the mm-hmm. fuck out of Kersick. Like, how did that happen? That was literally two seconds apart. Like, Max Katie is like Michael Myers. <laughs> Where he just rem- eliminates Graciela because of the curse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that, that <laughs> mentioned piano wire that was missing an hour and 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. It's coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. But the reveal perfect body after Kitty Lee was great. <laughs> His body was fucked up. <laughs> His shirt was off for some reason. He was all bloody and, then- and all cut up on the floor. Yes, I, and then the extended sequence of Nickel, Nick Nolte and, and Jessica Lang slipping all around and falling down over and over again in, in the blood. Like, I, wait, but here's, like, what killed me with this whole thing, right? Like, this whole time, you're going after this guy. This, well, you're hoping for this guy to go after you, so to say. The guy yeah. entered your home, murdered two people, and as a lawyer who knows the laws and how all of these <laughs> things work, you decide to pick up the gun and touch the bodies and touch the <laughs> piano wire and go slip sliding yeah. in the blood. Like, where is the <laughs> intelligence going on as far as, like, these characters go, especially him? You know what? This well, is exactly I, what, this is what, that. what you wanted. I'm going to answer that. He's a lawyer, and when he is dealing with cases like this, uh, you know, he's getting that information from people, from police reports, like hearing about that kind of stuff. But, like, the lawyer is not ever, like, on the scene when this kind of thing takes place. I think that certainly uh, there was an element of massive, massive shock and, and fear especially mm-hmm. taking that yeah. one step and slipping and falling and like everyone is screaming and your daughter is there <laughs> and you don't know if Max Katie is in the cabinet <laughs> and he's going to jump out of the cabinet any second. There's a lot of factors that are going on just because uh, you're a lawyer and deal with this stuff, seeing it with your own eyes in your own house and it's your Jeez. friends and your family's right there. I feel like it's, it's a whole different story. And, I, and, and while I will accept that to a degree, yes, he's a lawyer. He's not a police officer. He's not on the scene itself for those bodies. But they see plenty of picture evidence for these cases. We know mm-hmm. even from earlier in this film when he talks about the pictures that he saw in Max Cady's original case. So we know he's seen pictures of violence before. Yes, it is different when it's right there and in front of you. But again, you would think that just you would say to yourself don't 
fucking touch anything. It's okay if it was his wife <laughs> or his kid. I'd understand it. If it was the kid running to Graciela and like cradling her head or something, I would understand it. Why it's him with Kursik, it's just <laughs> kind of like, okay, sure, guy. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. I don't he understand if it. it was his lover. You know, his lover, <laughs> fucking handball, racquetball, fucking friend, you know? Like, I would get that, but no. No, it's Kersick. No, it's Kersick, and now they have to they have to flee because if they flee, they can get to their houseboat and just go down, you know, the river of Cape Fear. Because surely this is going to be the problem solver. Because there's no way that Max Katie would ever follow them all the way out to that boat. Nope, free sailing from here, guys. Guess we're going to close it out. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and Max uh, Katie is always one step ahead. Always, but you know he, you know. <clears throat> Sam talks to the cops real quick, and they're like, "You're fleeing the scene." Da da da. He's like, "No, we're we're finally being responsible. We know what we're doing." It's like, "Really? Okay, do tell. Move on with your little boat in the swampy swamp." <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Doing everything right so far. <laughs> this is just another one of those steps. But yeah, no. So yeah, they they are out on obviously the the best night for weather ever on this river, where it's like a vicious storm rolling on outside, <laughs> and they're like, "This is fine." Nah, you know, I mean, it's better than being on the mainland with Max Katie, right? Just a little wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, Max Katie, of course, gets onto the boat and attacks Sam and then goes after Lee and Danielle. But Danielle had the foresight to grab the lighter fluid because, as she knows, Max Katie likes those big old gorilla arm cigars of his, and he just has to light one up at a certain point. But she had the foresight to do that. Just like no fucking would do it and just, yeah, yeah. Always just have those cigars. But the the effect of the burning when she squirts them in the face is like, ah, it's clearly just a special effect. I mean, it, it was kind of poor, but it's 91. You know, I mean, you kind of let go of those things when you watch it. You know that it's not a practical, obviously, you know, because you can't really do full practical with a face burn like that. But seeing him all fucked up was pretty great. Uh, his hair's missing, you know, all the bumps all over his face, and he's still attacking them. It was cool, you know. It was cool to see him all fucked up like that because you're not used to seeing the Nero just go full makeup like that. It kind of looked like, yeah. Well, again, we're going to see him do it in a, a few years later with Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Um, oh, no. <laughs> um, um, Kenneth Brown. Yeah, the fire, the, the fire effect actually kind of gave me fucking flashbacks to Warlock. You know, like the the, the <laughs> cutting edge. <laughs> glowing effect of like his hand tracing out the runes and everything I remember that being like such a big thing with fucking like digital imagery and everything like huh cool his hand is pink <laughs> blue I don't remember what color it is it's been so long I think it was pink but yeah so it's the storm's raging outside the boat's falling the fuck apart but yet Max Katie is still trying to attack Sam and the family and he wants to have this mock trial while the boat's falling apart. He's like, I know we're going to our deaths, but let's just have this mock trial anyway because I studied to be a lawyer while I was in jail. So let's put you on trial for what happened. Like, just the fact that he's talking to himself, like, what do you think about that, Judge? I don't know about that, Counselor. He's like, back and forth, whipping his head back and forth. I said, shut up. Well, maybe if you stop hitting him with the gun, he can answer you. Like, Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yes, I could have, yes, I know that's a mission, but I'm treating him as an aggressive witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just the, the back and forth is great. Plus the, the whipping sound 
as he's whipping his head back and forth, I was like, it's so comical <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> but he just, I couldn't help but notice it. But yeah. Yeah, the boat's getting destroyed, but he's still having this whole mock trial thing. Of like, we, we have, I'm going to get the upper hand as this boat's falling apart. <laughs> yeah, you might want to just jump off at this point. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, it's, it's also he, he is definitely in his rage now, and he wants to make sure that he admits his sins yeah. in front of his family. You know, so that they understand he was, what he yeah. did as well. Well, they know he sucks as a dad and a husband already. They, he didn't need to prove that point any further. Well, <laughs> they now they know he sucks as a lawyer, too. That was yeah. the point. I mean, there been a... <laughs> yeah, he, he was a shitty defense lawyer. He was, you know, the public defender at the time. It, it wasn't what he believed in, um, which, again, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you swear that oath. You are to to do your and practice to what you're supposed to practice to. Um, not saying what he did was right, obviously, but again, seeing what Max Cady did, you know, I think you kind of, you know, you you kind of have to at least to some extent realize that, you know, this guy does belong in prison. Yeah, he obviously yeah. is not somebody that is, uh, is is rehabbed. He is not somebody capable of existing in regular society. He cannot get along with the rules of regular no. society as far as, you know, not fucking killing, hurting, and maiming people. No, I mean, what, what Lee and Danielle should have done was been like, you know what, we find him guilty, shoot him. Like, he, he's just horrible, <laughs> so it's fine. Like, you know... He dragged us along. Curse it's dead. Our maid that we love very much who also has a brother. And she's dead, so just go ahead. You know, just Katie just, just a brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, had a brother. I, I felt like that might have been one of those, like, ad-libbed lines, you know, where she just kind of <laughs> yeah. said it. And, and, you know, Scorsese was like, you know, that's perfect. You added fucking character to your character. <laughs> we needed that in this last segment of the movie. We need you to really kind of bring it, and we're glad that you did, finally. <laughs> we're cooking with oil, Juliet. We're, we're making this thing happen. <laughs> but, but during this mock trial, the storm knocks Katie to the floor of the boat, and that gives Sam the upper hand to use the handcuffs that Katie that brought along to shackle him to the boat while Lee and Danielle jump to their deaths. Well, not their deaths. I mean, any other movie, yeah, they'd be dead. But, no, they, they, they're going to be okay. You know, we're a little worse for the wear, but they're going to be fine as this squall takes over the boat to the very last bit, where even we have Sam crawling up onto land and seeing Katie struggling as he's handcuffed to the boat. You know, just in that water going, hey, I'm still not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll get out of this. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking kill you when I get, when I get, I swear to God, I swear to God, man, <laughs> as soon as I get this handcuff off, you are fucking dead. <laughs> he starts throwing rocks at him. It was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> he just starts wailing him in the face of rocks. Like that's Max Katie's last thing that he can do is just hurl rocks at Sam's face and knock him to the ground. But the growl that comes out of Sam when he picks up that big rock to smash in Max Katie's face, <laughs> that wheezing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to rewind it because I couldn't believe this wheezing old man scream that was coming from uh, Nick Nolte as he's trying to just bash this guy's head in, and he misses anyway. But it's okay because he's going to be taken off into the water while he's speaking in tongues very rapidly and singing, Oh, Jordan, Stormy Banks, I Stand. 
as he drowns to his death. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the speaking in tongues thing was fucking bizarre. Um, yeah, I mean, Bowden's decision to kill him, you know, I think mm-hmm. that is, like, is, is a major factor. You know, yes, the growl was hysterical. Um, you know, but, you know, he actually was at the point where he was just as bad, you know, or, or reaching the same level of violence as Max Cady. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, to where he was willing to, to take the life. He was going to finally do it, you know, and, you know, act of God, you know, suddenly drags Cady away and saves him to, you know, to suffer uh, a different type of death instead. And, uh, but yeah, the, the, the fucking speaking in tongues thing, man, like that was just like, <laughs> Like it came out oh, of my unintelligible or gibberish, one or the other. <laughs> it was a great way for that character to wait to his demise. And then you see Sam back with his family, they're all covered in dirt and mud, he's washing the blood off of his hands, and we have that little exposition from Danielle saying, Man, nothing will ever be the same again. And then you have that dun, 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 black and white, go to red and black as we close out the credits. I was like, okay. Yeah, Scorsese was not done with that filter. He loved that filter. And he made sure that he was going to use it one last time. I found my way to end this movie. Like, you know, and it was, it was just well done the way that he did it. But, yeah, overall, you know, it's just, it was a, a good movie. Um, nice early 90s thriller like the monkey had said. So I'm always glad to discuss those. But, with this being your farewell, Monkey will not be with us until August, but I do believe oh, that the ghoul stick is next. So what are we talking about next week, Ghoul? For the love of God, I had a decision, but I didn't know the monkey was going to be gone. Man, oh. that's true. Well, yeah, so well, going. I've been telling you guys for the offer is month. I don't pay yeah. attention to anything you say. Um <laughs> You were going to pick an anime movie, weren't you? (laughs) No, no, no. no. I was going to go full-on violence and say I was going to do a Serbian film. But now we'll have to wait that out, man. I'll have to, uh, shit, I didn't have any backups. Uh, You can actually do do a Serbian film. I've seen it. I'm good. So you guys can cover it. No, no. See, that's why we have to have it because you're probably the, yeah. He wants to get your opinion, dude. You're probably ah. the, the most human left amongst us. So oh. why don't we watch Mystery yeah. New Reality too? <laughs> what you want to watch Twilight? New New Dawn? Nineteen ninety two. New Moon. <laughs> new Moon. Okay, well we can do that. I'm only right, kidding. So I'm doing a be fucking a... another Twilight movie. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to pick. I'll, I'll let you guys All right, know. So... I'm sorry. It's okay. It'll be a stay tuned. I'll put the announcement oh, up as I always I'll do on Monday. I'll figure something out real yeah. quick. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it'll be fine, and we could always put up the announcement on Monday. But All right, so Dean, uh, while he goes for his pick real quick, thank you so much for joining us for Kate Fear. We'll be back here next week for whatever the ghoul decides. Yes, I'll be Give looking forward to seeing what the ghoul decides. I'm sure the Dean has some kind of fucking horror news. Go over horror news real quick, and I'll fucking figure out a movie. I don't know. <laughs> but right now? We have, yes, right so now. We have eight minutes. We have eight I admit minutes. all of no, no, the we news. Have I don't have any more news. No, so it's fine. Tell so, us about, tell us about yes, the hockey sir. Stanley Cup finals, please. No, it's fine because we're going to do quotes. I think that the Lightning are winning right now. 
I think the Lightning <laughs> are winning game two, and we'll take but, a two nothing lead in the series. I believe. Well, <laughs> it's fine. So while the while the ghoul looks up his movie, we don't have to do anything like that. But I wanted to really quickly say, since uh, the ghoul did a bunch of shout outs earlier, uh, one of the fans that does enjoy our show has actually gained a lot of episodes recently. I mean, so many. Uh, Marie, that I've been talking about the past couple of weeks, who's a huge fan of the Bee, loves him. I don't know what it is. It's his anger. It's his fervor. Whatever it is, she just adores this guy. So we're, we're so happy she about knows. that. The one she thing has, that she did well, tell she me. She has taste. She knows, well, she knows she does. what's up. But she actually, she's been going through a hard time. Uh, she's been going through a little bit of a hard time recently. But she did tell me the other day through Messenger that, one of the things that's really been keeping her kind of together and, and sane and calm is listening to our episodes. Like it's actually something she looks forward to, you know, when, when she just needs to relax and uh, kind of decompress from what she's going through, she puts on our show and listens and she loves the fact what? that we have a great rapport. And uh, yeah, she finds peace as she said uh, she, in our episodes you, and loves laughing with us. You, so, yeah. How can you relax to this? This is like listening to the 911 calls to go to sleep. King, you can't, this is not calm and relaxing. We're chaotic and fucked up. Depends what's calming and relaxing. <laughs> Maybe that's what relaxes her. I don't know. That, don't yuck her we're yum, sl- man. Like it's fine, but you know. we're, so yeah, no, we're sl- uh, we're we're slightly controlled chaos. Is what we are. <laughs> she's tearing through her catalog, and then she's enjoying it. She's laughing at times. You know, she'll be sitting somewhere and just crack up for no reason. Everybody's looking at her because we're making her laugh. So we're doing that, and we're so glad to do it because, you know, when you're going through a hard time, it's good to laugh. So if we could do that for you, Marie, you know, we're glad to do it. We'll be here every week for you. The Dean will be here for you every week, too. I mean, you know, got to treat the fans right, Dean. Kinda, you got to bring it every week because you got a new one listening. Hey, you see, that's right. <laughs> With anger, yes, and frustration. <laughs> Yes. So do we have a pick schedule? We do. Yeah, you know what, man? I know exactly what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go to 1987, okay, to a movie okay. that I remember enjoying oh. way back in the day. Uh, I'm sure Great. all of you have seen it. Monkey, sorry nice. if you're a fan of this one or not, but we are going to watch The Stepfather. Okay, oh, I'm in. Fun. Yeah, that's great. I love that movie. Terry O'Quinn, baby. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's, and Joe Sholin, oh, man, yeah. This has been one of the things I wanted to pick for a while, so I'm glad. And it's also free on Tubi, uh, so you have to uh, find a way to watch it. It uh, is on Shudder for all oh, there we go. who have Shudder. Yeah, I have a copy of it on Blu-ray and DVD, so I'm good. I have, I have two copies, so I'll be fine with my <laughs> stepfather viewing. See <laughs> next, next week for the stepfather. King's got uh, the special edition Blu-ray hardcover steel box with the poster. With the mini poster. The lights and everything <laughs> right. on it. Comes with a mini version of your own stepfather. He's even alive. Walks around like a Charles Band character. Like Ooga Booga with a stepdad. That's the Screen Factory special edition where you can build your own stepdad. And it'll mm. tell you that it loves you when your other stepfather does it. So that's important to have. It's important to have a role model. But, all right, so anyway, Monkey, uh, thank you so much for your pick tonight, and uh, safe travels, and we will be seeing you back here at the ranch in August. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Mwah! <laughs> so that's all right. Actually cool. Yeah. Okay, Change yeah. that up. He's like, right. thank you yeah. for letting me. I had to do it. 
come in your ear. Um, yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Stay scared. Stay scared. <laughs> And as for me, your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, we'll be seeing you back here next week for the ghoul stick of 1987's The Stepfather. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail odors. Hail the monkey. And we will see you back here next week. Yes, you will see the Dean. <laughs>